I'm Josh Hammer, and this is America on Trial, your one-stop shop for all of the legal information you need to get through your day and feel informed and prepared for this most monumental and unprecedented of litigation and lawfare adult elections, the forthcoming matchup, as it was in 2020, between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. It's a heck of a news cycle and a heck of a busy week out there, so let's not waste any time. Let's go straight to Around the Horn. Looking at our legal calendar there, we, of course, as we covered on this show already this week, we had the three-judge panel issue their ruling when it comes to presidential immunity or lack thereof, as the case may be, for former President Donald Trump as pertains to special counsel Jack Smith's sprawling federal probe there in Washington, D.C. This is probably the highest profile of all four of the criminal prosecutions against Donald Trump. This is the federal probe that is alleging wide-ranging conspiracy to overthrow democracy and to overturn the election and January 6th and this and that, the false electors. This is the juiciest of the four. It's the Merrick Garland appointed special counsel Jack Smith. And we got that ruling from the three-judge panel this week. We covered it in depth earlier on this show. Go ahead and listen to, to that episode for all of the legal analysis. So right now, we're, we're still waiting to hear what Donald Trump's lawyers, John Sauer and Will Scharf, in particular, are going to do when it comes to that case. What is their strategy going to be? They have a deadline. There is a deadline coming up of this Monday, February 12th. That is a deadline for the team to ask the U.S. Supreme Court to do something based on my reading of the tea leaves and some conversations that I've had and just my general sense of where things stand and where they will go, I predict that they are going to ask the Supreme Court for an emergency stay to stay the holding from the three-judge panel that would affect nullify that for the time being while they go ahead and seek en banc review before the full court there in the D.C. Circuit. I think that makes the most sense when it comes to trying to run out the clock, proverbially speaking there, and also raises the possibility of getting a blistering dissent, possibly, because it's not going to go their way. The D.C. Circuit is a 7-4 to four Democrat majority court when you look at who nominated the 11 judges there, but it does raise the very intriguing spectacle of possibly getting a blistering dissent from one of the two more fiery Trump nominees there, Judge Katzis or Judge Rao. That decision from the Trump legal team could come any day. Again, the deadline for what to do when it comes to the Supreme Court there in the Jack Smith federal probe in D.C. is this Monday, February 12th. We'll find out more there coming up any day. Big news as well on the Fonnie Wells case in Georgia. So th this case is just turning into an absolute poop show. I, I mean, this thing is just a, a topsy-turvy, upside-down debacle, no matter how you look at it. Donald Trump, I, ca I cannot emphasize how just how lucky Donald Trump is getting when it comes to Georgia. This was supposed to be the, the most dangerous of all four. That case is totally, totally in the toilet right now. The latest shoe to drop is you had a tweet from Congressman Jason Smith. He is an influential congressman. He's from Missouri. He's, he's there. He, uh, he's the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, but also involved in, in various other committees. And he had a tweet just yesterday on Wednesday he tweeted, quote, White House visitor logs confirm that Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis and her lead prosecutor, that would be Nathan Wade, had multiple, multiple hour-long meetings with the president of the United States. So there was a lot of smoke here. You had a lot of allegations from Trump co-defendant in Georgia, Michael Roman. We were set to learn more at this forthcoming evidentiary hearing before Judge Scott McAfee there in Fulton County next week. But here you have a U.S. congressman 
who is now saying that he has ironclad proof based on the White House visitor logs that she actually was there meeting not just, according to Congressman Smith of Missouri, not just with the White House counsel's office, but actually with the big guy himself, the doddering dolt from Delaware, the senile commander-in-chief, Joseph R. Biden. I mean, this is truly damning stuff, if true. Jason Smith's tweet cannot be separated from Congressman Jim Jordan's newly announced subpoena of Fonnie Willis as well. He announced that on Friday. This thing in Georgia is just totally going upside down. Once again, say what you will about Donald Trump. He really does have the best enemies imaginable there. Big, big news if we actually have Fonnie Willis dead to rights when it comes to visitor logs. Expect this to come up at next week's evidentiary hearing in Fulton County when it comes to Jack Smith. Finally, finally, when it comes to Around the Horn, before we get to our, our big news of the day and our deep dive, our final Around the Horn item today, we are still expecting a, a imminently forthcoming report from Robert Hur. He is the special counsel who was assigned to review Joe Biden's own classified documents retention scandal when it comes to the Penn-Biden Center. All signs based on all of the leaks, all of the mainstream media outlets are reporting that this is going to be a tisk tisk slap on the wrist sort of thing. There are no expected criminal charges to drop there or anything of that nature. But it's going to be interesting to see at least how much Robert Hur can amp up the rhetoric at a bare minimum there. What kind of political implications will there be? Recall that Joe Biden was grossly, grossly mishandling his own classified documents. He had them in his garage in Wilmington, Delaware, in the home, oh, by the way, where his prodigal drug-addled son, Hunter Biden, happened to be living in and out. Probably not the kind of thing you want around someone like Hunter Biden, these top-secret classified documents. He had them all about his office in this Chinese Communist Party-funded apparatus, the Penn-Biden Global Center for Diplomacy. So it's extraordinarily sloppy, to put it mildly. It kind of reminds me of the whole Hillary Clinton 33,000 deleted email scandal with Jim Comey back in the 2016 presidential election cycle. Unfortunately, if I'm making a prediction here, I think similar to the way that Hillary Clinton got off in 2016, that's probably what's going to happen with Joe Biden. But again, we are expecting an imminently forthcoming ruling from Robert Hurd, just as we are expecting an imminently forthcoming verdict from Justice Arthur Ngoron, who is the New York State judge overseeing New York Attorney General Tish James's sprawling fraud fishing expedition into the Trump organization. That verdict also should be imminently forthcoming within the next week or so. So with all of that around the horn out of the way, we turn to the news of the day. What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are, and it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. 
And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by faith. And our deep dive, which is the news of the day, is that it's argument day. This is the day. This is argument day at the United States Supreme Court. This is a huge, huge case. This is the case of Trump versus Anderson. This is the appeal from the Supreme Court of Colorado, the Supreme Court of Colorado, which infamously, infamously held in a divided ruling that Donald Trump was disqualified from the ballot this fall due to the insurrection clause of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which has received extraordinary, extraordinarily little litigation when it comes to the federal judiciary since the 14th Amendment was ratified back in 1868. You did have one case uh, the, the very year after the amendment was ratified, so this would be 1869, a case called Griffin's Case. It was an opinion written by Justice Salmon Chase, who wrote an opinion that seems to strongly militate in favor of Donald Trump. In this opinion, Griffin's case, Justice Chase basically said that where you have sweeping language in a clause like this, like the insurrection clause of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, then you essentially need Congress to pass a follow-up subsequent statute in order to put into effect the nuts and bolts of this. Put another way, the constitutional provision is not itself what lawyers refer to as self-executing. You need further congressional legislation to actually show how you're going to enforce this. And Congress, to date, really has not done so. They passed one statute a very long time ago called the Insurrection Act, which doesn't really have a whole lot to say about the Insurrection Clause, but it's their opponent's best argument. In any, in any event there, this is a huge, huge argument. As I said on the show, I know Donald Trump's lawyer in this case, the counsel of record who filed the brief for the Supreme Court on Monday and who was representing him at the Supreme Court today. I, I know him personally quite well. He is, he is named Jonathan Mitchell. I've known Jonathan for over a decade now. Jo- Jonathan, I, I, I cannot emphasize this point enough to the listeners here. Jonathan Mitchell is one of the most brilliant legal minds on the American right. In, in a just world, he would be at a bare minimum a federal appeals judge. At a maximum, he would be United States Solicitor General, United States, United States Attorney General, or God willing, if we should be true, if we should be so lucky, a, a United States Supreme Court justice. He really is just that kind of legal intellect, the kind of statutes that he has helped to work on behind the scenes here. And the brief that he turned into the Supreme Court on Monday, on behalf of his client, the former president Donald Trump, it's an exceptional brief. And he basically makes four constitutional arguments, and then he makes an additional argument when it comes to the Colorado election code. Perhaps actually five U.S. constitutional arguments, depending on how you're counting there. So one one argument that he makes is what we were just talking about, about how you need additional congressional legislation to actually implement the the uh, the insurrection clause of 14th Amendment Section 3 that, that is not self-executing. This is a heavy citation to that 1869 case called Griffin's case. Furthermore, there is the argument that a president is not a, quote, officer of the United States, as that term is used in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And if a president is not a, quote, officer of the United States, as the term is used, 
then he definitely is not subsumed into any of the other enumerated categories, so he has to be part of that in order for any of this ship to fly in the first place. By the way, as an aside, really interesting article in the New York Times dropped yesterday all about a somewhat obscure legal academic who I actually have known, not necessarily on a closely personal level, but we've been, we've been in touch a lot over the years, a guy by the name of Seth Tillman, who is a, a, a somewhat arcane and obscure constitutional theorist. Professor Tillman actually doesn't even teach in the United States. He teaches in Ireland, which is really interesting and pretty unusual for a religious Jew. Um, I, I speak from knowledge here, from personal knowledge, to, to, to live in, in Dublin, Ireland. But he, he's been putting up some really brilliant constitutional scholarship over the past few years, especially during the Trump era, mostly alongside his frequent co-author, my friend Josh Blackman, a law professor in Houston, Texas. And this New York Times profile is really articulating the work that Professor Tillman has done when it comes to this very argument that Jonathan Mitchell, on behalf of Donald Trump, advances in this brief, which is that the president is not a, quote, officer of the United States, as that phrase is used in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, and therefore, on those grounds, which are totally independent additional grounds to the whole argument when it comes to Congress and self-execution, that the argument fails there as well. There are also other reasons why this argument fails, as Jonathan Mitchell argues in his brief, and as, frankly, anyone who has more than one brain cell can can intuit, namely that January 6, 2021 is not a, quote, insurrection, as as the term is used in the 14th Amendment. To, uh, to put it mildly, the events of January 6, 2021, which began as a, a, and, and, frankly, ended as an exceedingly peaceful protest where you had virtually no one who was armed, to try to analogize this to the actual insurrection that the draftsmen of the 14th Amendment had in mind, which would be the actual four-year Confederate uprising, for God's sake, I mean, culminating in the surrender of Lee to Grant at Appomattox Courthouse. I mean, I mean, you have to be a patently insane person. I mean, you have to be drugged out, drooling out of your mouth, watching Joy Reid and Joy Behar on, on repeat in order to arrive at an argument like that. I mean— yeah, seriously, check yourself into an asylum if you if you actually think that what happened on January sixth is is directly equivalent to the United States Civil War, which saw well over half a million dead, a four year long uprising. I mean, I can't believe that I even need to say this. I can't believe that someone as smart as Jonathan Mitchell is going to have to actually argue this in front of the nine justices. It, it's just absolutely, absolutely outlandish, frankly. So it's going to be interesting to see what they focus on, what what is going to happen here at the oral argument. Where is Jonathan Mitchell? Where is the lawyer on the other side of the argument representing, in this case, the, the state of Colorado? Where, where are they going to focus their time at oral argument? Are they going to focus on this question as to whether the president is a, quote, officer of the United States for purposes of Section 3? Are they going to focus on the question as to whether Section 3 is, quote, unquote, self-executing or whether Congress must have legislated a, a specific mechanism for its enforcement? Are they going to talk about whether Section 3 is only a restriction on holding office as opposed to being elected to that office? That's another source of, of contention throughout this litigation. Are they going to actually focus on the meaning of what insurrection is, what we were just talking about a minute ago or so? I mean, there's all sorts of ways that this argument can go. Ultimately, when all is said and done here, I, I really, really do feel confident about this case. I, I think this is a slam dunk legal case there. I saw my friend Randy Barnett, the 
esteemed Georgetown law professor tweeting about this yesterday as well. He was predicting that this was going to come out 8-1 to or 9-0 straight up unanimous. What I've been saying for a while is that I think this is going to be at least 7-2 with the four conservatives, Roberts, and then also Alina Kagan, who's the more sensible of the three liberals. I think it's going to be at least that 7-2 coalition, but I honestly think that this is a big enough slam dunk case where it definitely would not shock me in the least if this thing ends up being a 9-0 unanimous decision. Decision. Regardless, this is a huge, huge day at the United States Supreme Court. This oral argument gets to the very crux of what this new podcast, America on Trial, is dedicated to exploring, which is who ultimately decides the outcome of elections? Is it we the people? Is it we the people of which the preamble of the Constitution speaks? We the people who Benjamin Franklin said it's a republic if you can keep it. The people that are supposed to be in charge of the destiny and the ultimate orientation of this grand experiment in order of liberty? Are we the ones who are going to be able to choose our leaders? Are we the people going to be actually able to select our own presidents? Or, or are we going to let these dirtbag, scumbag, tangentious lawyers try to boot these presidential candidates off the ballot based on dusting off some arcane, obscure provisions that have barely been litigated from a constitutional provision ratified 150 years ago. I mean, that basically boiled down is what it gets to here. It is we the people versus unaccountable, unaccountable bureaucrats, administrators, and judges. I do confidently predict that Donald Trump is going to prevail and be vindicated on this particular issue, but it's going to be an extraordinary, interesting day at the Supreme Court. I know that I will be following along, and I would strongly encourage all of you to to do the same. Finally, if you've been enjoying our show, America on Trial, please go ahead and, and give us a subscription. Go ahead and hit the follow button if you have not already done so. Go ahead and download the episode and leave us a comment as well. We really do want to hear from you. The show is still very new. We care a great deal about what you, the listener, have to say about it. So go ahead and do that if you have not done so already. So on that note, happy listening today, everyone. Go ahead and enjoy this oral argument in Trump versus Anderson at the United States Supreme Court. Thank you.